You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go Bucks! Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Starbucks with Jim and Donardo. I am your host, Anthony Donardo. Along with me, of course, is my co-host, Jim Rosati. Jim... It's a wonderful Wednesday morning. The World Series is complete. Baseball is officially over for 2020. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, it's off season. Um, that's that's, right. that's coming. It's it's coming along quickly too. The Pirates actually have some decisions they need to make by Sunday. <clears throat> so that'll be kind of there. There should be some stuff happening this week. So that's cool. <laughs> We actually could have some Pirates news to talk about, not just the World Series and playoffs yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I love the offseason. Like, to state what I said before, it's a big offseason for the Pirates. We can disagree. But it's a big one for the Pirates coming up, potentially. Um, you know, they're probably going to make a lot of small moves, but a lot, of, of course. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's let's dive into the World Series here. So when we talked last week, obviously it was just, what, game one. We're talking about Tyler Glass now imploding once again in the playoffs when he went, what was it, four and a third, I think, top of memory. Give it a five five runs. Yeah, something like that. Put up a, a stinker, a poo-poo game. But And then to, to tie in, so... We talked about Tyler Glass now. He pitched 112 pitches that game. And we were kind of dumbfounded because, you know, it is the Rays. The the one thing you expect from the, Ray, the Rays is that quick hook. You know, you and I are both pretty perplexed on how and why Tyler Glass now was still pitching as much as he was. Um, and had they pulled him, they could have potentially won the game. Potentially. Um, and now let's fast forward to this week, right? Seven days later. And we have Blake Snell pitching a masterpiece last night, Jim. He goes five innings. He had one hit, no walks, and nine strikeouts at that point. He goes into the sixth. And essentially, he gave up one hit. And they took him out in 73 pitches. And ultimately... They lost the game, Jim. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that um, it's a decision that I wasn't watching the game at this time. So I'm going to be, you know, full disclosure there. Um, However, you know, I was pulling up the box score. I had softball until about 1030 last night. And and I looked down and as soon as the game was over, I saw that, Snell was, you know, five innings, zero runs, one hit, nine strikeouts. And I'm like, all right, he's dealing. And then I get in the car and I kind of just pull it up on my phone a second. And I see that he's been pulled and the Dodgers just scored two runs. I'm like, what happened here? Um, so, yeah, I'm 
I'm surprised. And and you're, it's actually funny. I didn't even think about that game one with Glass now, but you're absolutely right. Like they they kept Glass now in for forty, you know, one hundred twelve pitches, forty pitches more than Snell threw. Glass now didn't look nearly as sharp as Snell. Um, I mean, he was. I mean, just based off. I said, I didn't get to see him pitch, but just based off of five innings, one hit, no walks, nine strikeouts, I can just, you know, that that means he's got his stuff. It's working for him. He's, he's dealing. Um, and based off of Twitter and all the reactions, I can, I, that's, that, that was the conclusion that I made. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. Now I said, I, at the, after the game, I guess Kevin Cash said he didn't want Blake Snell to face, you know, bets and, Muncie and all them the third time through the order. Right. So I'm, I guess that was the reasoning for it, but you're right. Like, I mean, this is game six of the world series. You've got a pitcher who's dealing. I know the Rays are like, they have a plan. They execute that plan. And that's how they were 40 and 20 on me. That's why they're here. Right. But that is a move that is a little perplexing. And it's going to be one that uh, that Kevin Cash is going to have to live with for a while. Um, I mean, that's it's almost <laughs> like the it's like the anti um, for a while Pedro. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. that. It's like the anti Pedro, you know, situation where like Pedro was left let in left in too long, and you know that ultimately just that, that was that was was that Grady Little who, who did that. So I mean, that was that ultimately just led to his whole career exploded um, as, a, as a manager. Um, this could be the opposite of that, where he takes him out. And I think it also needs to be said too. It's not like he was putting in some bum, you know, he put, he's, he's taking him out to bring in Nick Anderson, right? Nick Anderson, who gave up one run this season. So it's he had a 0.55 ERA. So, you know, the strength of the Rays is their bullpen depth and their bullpen. And so sure. they wanted to, it was pretty clear that throughout the series that they wanted to play to that advantage. This unfortunately didn't happen on this one game and on the biggest stage. Right. Yeah. So like, I mean, I agree with you. Like they had a plan. Obviously. I mean, that's one thing. And I talked about last week. I mean, that's like the one thing that the Rays, like they come prepared, like they have a plan, they enter the game, they know your weaknesses, your strengths, you know, they do go very analytical um they, they they've thought outside the box for quite some time and it's funny actually i actually watched moneyball again i, I realized and saw it was on netflix so what was it friday or saturday i ended up watching it again <laughs> don't know why that incorporates into this conversation but it was just kind of fun watching because again like you realize and you see you know how these small markets like you have to think outside the box you, you can't compete with the yankees by playing the same game as the Yankees. And again, like you, the Rays can't compete with the Dodgers playing the same game as the Dodgers. So they have to think differently. Um, so like, I understand the plan. And again, it's going to be funny because I'm going to bring up the Kershaw, Kershaw situation here as well. But as you mentioned, the 21 batter plan, you know, you don't want to see Mookie Betts and Seager and all of them for the third time. Like I get it because ultimately your numbers get worse. You know, you have a one run lead. Let's, in theory, like in plan, let's take him out now before they get to him. They start scoring runs, right? So let's tie this into Kershaw because there was 
two games ago where I feel like Roberts got some heat for taking out Kershaw. And I think the two situations, to me at least, are a little bit different. There's one that I actually agree with and one that I don't. And with the Kershaw Mm -hmm. situation, okay, when he was taken out, uh, and what was it? He went into the inning and pitched to two batters on what, two pitches? He got two outs on two pitches. Um, But because that third guy that was up the bat was number 21, right? Now the top of the line, third time through the order, they yanked him. That I was okay with. And the reason I was okay with it, and Jim, we can talk about this. Maybe you disagree or not. Um, But the reason I was okay with it is, for one, that was the plan heading into the game. And they decided to stick with it. And let's be honest. Kershaw came out and said his slider wasn't feeling good. You know, he wasn't feeling a slider that night. He wasn't – like the numbers, to support his numbers, he had 5.2 innings, kind of Snell-like. Um Five hits, two walks, six strikeouts. But he wasn't really that sharp that night. You know, like I felt like he was right. he was nibbling around you know, the corners and working through it. But I felt like that was a good decision because it reminded me of when the Pirates went on the, the bullpenning, right? When they went with the Brault cool start, right? The tandem there. And they had Brault out there for what? three perfect innings and they pulled them and everyone had a hissy fit in Pittsburgh, right? That was the plan. It worked. It worked to the benefit. You didn't want to keep brought in there because he can implode. Like I felt taking out Kershaw there was good. It was smart because he was effective. Even though he wasn't sharp, he was effective. Let's get him out now before they finally catch on to him. And now he blows up. Kershaw has been known to implode in, in the, you know, the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they had a plan. It was effective, and it was smart to keep him in because he wasn't that good. I feel like the opposite with what Kevin Cash did with the Rays. Like they had a plan, but the thing was, at that point, you throw that plan away because Snell is pitching out of his mind, out of his mind. Okay, he gave up that grounder that went through the right side, you know, the <laughs> infield, and got that weak contact hit. Keep him in there. Keep him in there. He is dealing. The top of the lineup went 0 for 6 with 6 strikeouts. Keep him in there. And that's where I feel it differs. And that's why I feel, like you mentioned, Kevin Cash is going to be selling this for a while. Yeah, and like I said, it's, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. But, again, the Rays are here because of their plan and the, then the way that they play. And just I just pulled up Blake Snell's, you know, Let's look at his career splits here. First time through the order as a starting pitcher, 2.26 earned run average. Mm -hmm. Second time through the order, 3.54. Third time through the order, it jumps to 4.97. So, again, throughout his entire career, you know, we all know Blake Snell's a great pitcher, right? That third time through the order, though, has been a problem for him throughout his career. So who's to even say that – had they left him in, he would have kept being the same pitcher that he looked like those first five and the third innings. So again, it's it's one of those things that's easy to second guess, right? We're not we're not the manager, we're not the ones with the game on the line, we're not and, the organization. Yeah. And honestly, plan. thank God, because I sure as hell don't want to be a manager <laughs> in game six of the World Series. Right. <laughs> that's too much pressure. So 
So, I mean, I'm sure the, I mean, the Rays have all these numbers that I have. I just looked these numbers up in two minutes while you were talking. So the Rays know this, right? Um, and if their plan is, hey, let's get shut down, lights out, Blake Snell, two times through the order, and then hand the ball over to our just bullpen of absolute studs, I, it's hard for me to second guess the plan. Um, so, and, and, and it's just, I said, I get it. It doesn't work out. What's, what's kind of funny and what's weird is, and it, it's a little frustrating at times too, because you get all these, you know, I'm you know, all over Twitter last night, you know, a rod was bashing analytics. You had, yeah. you, you know, you've got all these like ex players and stuff who were in, in roles and they're all bashing analytics. Well guys, it's first off analytics got, the Rays to this point, right? It's not like anything. I mean, it's not necessarily, it's not their talent. This team wasn't the most talented team in the American league, but they were the best team in the American league because they were the smartest team in the American league. And I think, I think what that's another thing you got to kind of look at and take a step back when it comes to these analytic type things, it's not necessarily going to work every time. Right. And that's why I feel like baseball and that's why I feel like baseball, as opposed to really any other sport, that's why this stuff has become such a big part of, of the, the baseball culture now, is because we're talking about 162 baseball games, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about 162 baseball games, and what's what what basically the Rays show and the A's show and teams like that is if you just do the smart thing and the right thing over 162 games, that's when you see the fruits of all of this, right? Right. The, the what long you haul. don't see, yes. What where what you don't see is sometimes doesn't work, right? And, and it just it just happened to not work in an elimination game in the World Series. And again, I it's hard for me to it's hard for me to bash the Rays on their strategy when it clearly worked for them. It's just this is a one game. They did what they do. They 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 did their they did what they were planning to do. They stuck to what you know what got them there. Mm-hmm. I can't have a problem with it. Okay. And okay, so I guess here's where I feel. Now, also one before I get to that, I also want to credit you how you said like obviously you know analytics is what got Tampa Bay here and how great they are the analytical department and such like I mean. Let's also not forget the Dodgers are very an, you know into analytics also. Yeah. You know, th- these oh, are two uh, yeah. teams that heavily favor analytics and truly believe in them. You know, I mean, yes. and also yes. like in baseball, every every team has a fairly decent sized analytics department at this point of time. I mean, I think you really got to go back to like 2016 when like the Twins were the only team at that point that didn't have an analytics department period um and now they did and of course let's also look at the jump the twins had when that happened if you want to take a look back and see when the correlation of when they got an analytics department and when they started becoming good again um but with that said yes two very analytic analytical teams um but so so you're right obviously it's not perfect no one's going to be perfect. Analytics don't say this will happen 100% of the time. But 
what we're doing is we're analyzing things. We're taking a deeper look at things. We're seeing tendencies. We're, we're seeing that, you know what? If you do this, six out of 10 times, it will work, right? As you like, what you're pretty much mentioning, Jim, six out of 10 times, it'll work. Meanwhile, what we have been doing is this, and it's working five out of 10 times. Well, guess what? You're still failing four out of the 10 times, you know? So, so right, you're going to have four opportunities Every 10 times you go out there for people like A-Rod, whomever, to bash analytics, say, see, it didn't work. It didn't work. 40% of the time, this is BS, you know. Meanwhile, we were questioning managers and stuff five out of 10 times before, but, well, that's just baseball. You know, I, I love the correlation how, well, that's baseball. That's the beauty of baseball. <laughs> but now we're in 2020, yeah. and when the same stuff happens, albeit less, now it's, oh, this is why analytics don't work, and this is why it stinks. So, like, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you, and trust me, like, I'm fully on board with analytics. They do help. I mean, just take the context out. I mean, analytics, you're analyzing the game. You're seeing this works 60% of the times. Meanwhile, what we were doing worked 50% of the time. So why would you not do it this way? So you're 100% correct. However... This is where I think it does hurt because maybe we're just not that far into it yet. Maybe we will one day. But like in-game manager strategy, sometimes I think analytics can get in the way. And this is where I question exactly because those numbers are correct. And, you know, by the law of averages, those are Blake Snell's numbers. But last night, Blake Snell was not pitching in his average. You know, this wasn't the typical Blake Snell. You know, this is like where I want to pull. This was like one of the best pitching performances I've seen Blake Snell pitch, you know, and by the numbers looking at it, it correlates. So it's like, well, what were Blake Snell's splits on his first time, second time, and third time in his top 10% starts? Because like, that's what he was pitching last night. You know, this was a very impressive outing. So like, that is where sometimes I feel analytics do get in the way. Yes, I do agree. As you mentioned, this is what got the raise there. But then once again, back up. If that's what got them there, why the hell did Tyler Glass now pitch 112 pitches the first game? And I'll give him credit too because I wasn't even thinking of this, but Joe Smeltzer um, tweeted at us. And, and right, like this wasn't the first time this playoffs. Actually, it's almost like every time Glass now went out there, he was pitching 100 pitches. And he was terrible this postseason. So this is what got them there. How come they gave mediocre ass Glass now every opportunity to pitch 100 plus you know pitches? And meanwhile, you have Blake Snell pitching out of his mind last night, and he got yanked as soon as he gave up a weak contact hit. No, you're right. I mean, like I said, I I was surprised about the Glass now decision, obviously in the, in game one. Um. I'm with you there. Like I said, it, it, it's one of those things where you, you you walk the line, right? And that's kind of the manager's role there is, hey, when do we when do we go to the analytics? When do we go to you know the you know what I'm seeing on this field right now? Sure. Um, and that's where the tough the tough decision comes into play. Um, but again, they had a plan. They stuck to it. Um, I, I, like I, said, I can't really fault them. I, I, I can't. I can't really fault them for it. I mean, that's. I, I don't know what the plan was when Glass now was out there. I don't know. I, I didn't see a quote on that. Um, 
but I, I saw the quote from last night on their plan with Snell and they stuck to it and they handed the ball to a guy who had a 0.55 earned run average this year that was has been completely dominant. Um, so I, I'm not, it's, it's just hard. It's hard for me to really bash them. Now can like, I, I'm fine with second guessing it. Like I, I'm fine. With of course criticism. that's, that's, like I, that's I, why this yeah. is perfect. Don't let me be the manager right. of game six. Let me just talk about <laughs> so, it the day after, you know, in the so, perfect mindset, because here's what I would have done. Yeah. So I can completely understand like the, the outrage about the decision. Like I, I completely get it. Um, I just, it's hard for me to fault an organization and a team for kind of just sticking to their plan which is the same plan that got them into that situation in the first place. So had, had, had Anderson come in and, you know, gone strikeout, strikeout. We wouldn't be talking about this. That's right. Right. And and that's saying it's what we talk about the beauty of baseball. You know, you you make the move, you bring in the guy who's been dominating and he gives up, you know, he runs. So, it just happens sometimes. Like that's just baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, you're and, right. You're right. Yeah. And, and we talked Snell about could have Kershaw stayed in there and he could stuff. have gave up three runs himself. Like that, that still is possible. Yeah. We'll never know because we'll never see it. Right. It's not like snow was, it's not like they pulled him against like some bum either. Like they pulled him, you know, <laughs> to, to, you know, Mookie bats, you know, Mookie bats could have taken the lead with one swing of the bat off of Blake Snell. That's entirely a, a possible thing that could have happened. Right. Um, but I guess we'll never know. We'll never, we'll never know. Um, again, though, it's just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't fault them for it. I said, sure. I, we can, we can second guess it all day and talk about it, but I can't, can't fault them for sticking to the plan that got them there. So then let's like pivot this a little bit here, because that's also been one of the talks, you know, of recent with baseball is like, what's the point of having, a manager these days, you know, essentially the front offices run the team. The numbers speak for themselves and you just run off the numbers. And I almost like – and we we do differ a little bit here. Not so much, but I think because like you're saying like that was the plan. They stuck with it. But I think right now what I'm getting at is it's, 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 it's true to a degree. You know, we have this plan. We know what happens. You know, the front offices – which are great with these analytic departments. Like they give all this information, they feed it. We see what the tendencies are. We see what to do in situations, but like, isn't it now almost more than ever the manager role sometimes just as or more important because like that situation last night, like here we are questioning the decision, which was a numbers decision. And yet as a manager, you have to decide, is this the time I pull away from the front office these guys that have worked so hard to do all these numbers, do I do I pull away from it and make this move, or do I stick with it? Because now you're going to ride this even harder. Um, and I do like I I do feel like the manager role is is very important because there's still a lot of in game strategy, a lot of in game stuff that you have to decide. Yeah, you're you're probably privy to a lot more information now. Um, but again, now you have to really decide because it's not a long game. In a one game, in a, in a one game, put it that way. You know, you don't. It's not 162 games. You ride this thing out. Like now, this one game truly matters. And do you stick to the numbers, or do you do you have more of that little bit of an eye test 
again, knowing your players, you are a manager, how you're managing your guys, you know what they can do and such, you know, and, and pulling away from the numbers and going with your Dusty Baker gut feeling, <laughs> you know, and riding that out. So, and I, I don't know, Jim, I mean, do, do you think the manager role is still as important as ever or? Have they been a little last? I mean, I, I I will disagree. Yeah, I'll, I I think the manager role is is less important now than ever. I think I think there are a lot of decisions that a manager used to make that computers have basically pre made. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. computers are smarter than people for for the most part. So uh, and I mean, you look at take just, it out. Yeah, you look at something like and and just you know, we let's let's let's. Let's play a hypothetical here and say it's something different. Let's say it's something as easy as, and this is more mainstream now than than maybe than what happened last night. But let's just take shifting into account, right? Okay, okay. Let's let's say let's say let's say Cody Bellinger's up to bat, runner on third, two outs, bottom of the ninth. You're up by one, right? Like this is the game. This is yeah. the game. All year long. All series long, you're shifting Bellinger, mm-hmm. right? You're playing the odds. You know that when if he's going to put the ball on the ground, odds are it's he's going to pull it, right? Do you just because of the situation and what's happening? Do you just scrap that plan at that moment of time, or do you stick with what the plan was and play the odds and shift your infield around? Um, you know, I mean, what, what, what do you do there? I mean, that's, that's a very fair question. And, you know, top of my head, I would say I'm probably going to play the shift because that is the numbers. Like I'm putting my team in the best Mm -hmm. situation. I I think what would differ is like, again, with a hypothetical is if somehow or other we we played the shift all Mm -hmm. night, right. And he got three hits on us hitting the opposite way. Okay. You know, so, like I think that might be let's, Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So let's let's say that. Let's say so I guess let's say let's say you you know the numbers, you shift, you shift Bellinger, but he's beaten the shift right. like all night. Do you still use the use the God, data see, in the I mean, you know what I mean? I mean that, that's I think that's where this gets real tricky. And and you're right. Yeah. So the data supports Obviously, the shift. And the shift has been very important for a lot of teams over the years. Hey, let's go back to the Pirates, how important that was, you know. Um, so so you're, you're absolutely correct. It's putting the team in the best situation. However, he beat me three times tonight. Do I still play the numbers or would I go more in-game and say he's he's doing it? I don't know. Like me as a, like, So, again, as a manager, <laughs> that's where it becomes crucial because yeah. you have the information. You have the numbers. You're told what you're supposed to do. And now you're going to buck the trend all the way on your shoulders to go away. Because it's an easy out. You know what I mean? If you play the shift and you lose, it's an easy excuse. That's the numbers. The mm-hmm. sport. I did the shift. What did you expect from me? But you're that manager, and maybe you're like me and saying, you know what? Three times they beat us. I'm not going to let them do it again. To quote George Bush. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fool me once. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, I might at that point in time say, screw the trend. Here's what's happening this game 
this situation and play it more safe in that sense, I might go ahead and do that. So I, and I guess again, that's, the, that's a tough pill to swallow guess, because yeah, when he hits it between second and first and you lose that game now, <laughs> everyone get yeah. on to you and, well, that's baseball. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think, I, and, and that's kind of my point on this is I, it's, it's, it's so easy to just kind of second guess this from kind of where we're sitting and watching the game. Right. But right. You know, at, at the end of the day, they had a plan. They stuck to it, and it just didn't work this time. Right. And, and let's also not let's also don't let's we, we can't forget that the Rays only scored one run today, I mean, yesterday. So it's you're not going to beat the Dodgers scoring one run. And that's a very most, good point. Times. And actually, and so, I don't know who to quote this, but I saw this last night. <laughs> the Rays haven't been shut out since September. I want to say it was like September 15th of last year. <laughs> Albeit a shortened season, but still, I mean, that's a large enough sample size. Like you're right, the Rays probably weren't going to win one nothing that night, right? So, so that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, one nothing probably wouldn't have held even if they had kept Snell in another inning or two. Um, this, the Dodgers lineup is just it's, it's very good. It can beat very good pitchers, and it did, and it did that last night. So. I don't know. It, it's again, we can we can talk about this forever, and and, and we could, but I, I just I can't I can't really knock them for 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 having the plan and sticking to it. It just didn't it didn't work it didn't work this time. Understand. All right. Well, fine. Whatever. Be that way. I, I thought I was going to get you over <laughs> to the dark side, Jim, but apparently not. Um, but I'll be it. So yes, the, the Rays do lose Dodgers do win. Um, excited for them. Happy for them. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I am happy for the Dodgers. They, they deserve this win. They deserve to win the world series. Um, I, I sent out last night that, you know, that this is a team we, we talk about all the time. Teams not really trying to win, like teams not signing the best players or teams sure. not paying the best players. And guess what? The Dodgers did that. The Dodgers, the Dodgers went out and got the best available player. <clears throat> they went out and they, you know, they have an, um, an amazing, you know, drafting and player development, you know, team and, you know, how forever. I mean, you look at the Lilo back at, at, you know, the Dodgers just throughout their history, probably like half the ML rookie of the years have been Dodgers. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, they, they deserved it. I mean, they, they, they went out there, they spent their money, they got the best players, they tried to win. And you can't say that about every, every team. Like, I mean, they, it's, it, it would have been easy for the Dodgers to just say, you know what? We're we're really good. We don't need to go out and get Mookie Betts and give him this huge three hundred, four hundred million dollar yeah. contract, whatever it is. A lot of they money. Didn't ha- yeah, they didn't have to do that. I mean, no one would have faulted them if they had not gotten Mookie Betts. I mean, their their lineup's deep enough that they didn't necessarily need him to to really even win a World Series. <laughs> I mean, they, they they've been in the World Series, you know, a lot of times without him. Um, but they, 
they went out, they got him, they made their team even better to try to win. They spent their money. So I'm, I'm completely fine <laughs> with, with, with them winning and they, they deserve it. They, they put together a really, really good baseball team and they did it in a lot of different ways. It's not like they just went out there and bought everybody. Like most of these guys are homegrown talent. And then they just complimented them with, you know, some, some other guys sprinkled in like Mookie Betts. Um, <laughs> just and, just sprinkle yeah. a little bit of Mookie just, Betts. That's all. Just sprinkling a just little the Mookie Betts MVP there. The was just the missing link. And, <laughs> and, and here's what you got. You got a World Series champion. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm completely okay with it. And I think that's, that's good. A team that, that tried to win one. And I wish more teams did that. Yeah, like so, I'm not mad or disappointed that Dodgers won, you know, won or anything. I, I think you're 100 correct. Like the one thing I've really appreciated with the Dodgers is the way they've ran this organization. Again, we talked about the analytics department. They're very analytical. They, they think like a small market team in a sense, but have cash. And how they use that cash? Well, to bail out the Red Sox every six years, it seems like. Um, you know, they did it with the Reds. It's it's funny because it's again like they they help teams that are in financial situations take on these bad contracts for them, it seems like. And that way they can reap the benefits of, you know, I guess gaining more prospects in their very, very deep farm system with a very, very great and deep major league roster too. Um, you know, and yes, money helps. We know money helps, but I guess as you mentioned too, like when you have it. They, they do use it. I mean, they've been number one in payroll, it seems, like every year for like the last decade <laughs> about. Um, they've been very good. I mean, you have a guy like Clay, Clayton Kershaw, one of the best pitchers we'll probably see in our lifetimes. Um, you're 100% correct. You know, they, they tried. Like, think about this, too. They've had Jock Peterson, who's essentially been like a three-word player every single season. Like you mentioned, like if, if the Pirates had Jock Peterson – He'd be like one of our best players. You know, we're looking at Jock Peterson. Well, we got Jock Peterson. We have a chance this year. And meanwhile, the Dodgers are like, well, we have Jock Peterson. Let's get Mookie Betts. <laughs> you know, Jock Peterson basically is just like a platoon player for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, albeit he had like a very, not a very, I'm not going to say very, very bad year because some people have very bad years this year. But he had a down year this year. But, you know, just again, like thinking about that, like you could have went into this season saying, we have a very good lineup. Yeah, Jock Peterson's. Good, he's not great, but they could have kept him and still had a very scary lineup. You know, Mookie Betts probably still coming out. I'm sorry, Mookie Betts. Uh, Blake Snell is probably still coming out of the World Series last night, you know, had Jock Peterson been up. But um, it was Mookie Betts, and they did it, and they finally won. They go over the hump. I, I've always felt like, you know, I've liked the Dodgers from afar. I like to see what they're doing and stuff. I respect them. But it's always been nice to not have them win because – you know, a little bit of the troll inside you. It's like, how the Dodgers mm-hmm. lost again. You know, yeah. those those starned Dodger fans, you know, have to go through so much and not win a World Series. Now they got it, so we can't really troll them anymore. We can't do, you know, it's like the Cubs situation. You, know, you can always make fun of the Cubs, even though you're the Pirates, because they hadn't won for how many years? Now, it's kind of like the same thing well, with the Dodgers in a sense. Now they won it, so it's like, well, that's done with. Yeah. Well, the Cubs are broke, too. So <laughs> they are broke. Yes. Yeah. well that's another conversation for another day here coming up about all of major league being baroque right but i mean like i said that's just another example of what i mean the dodgers could have easily said 
we, we don't have the money to spend bets. Mm-hmm. And people would have criticized them, right? Like they criticized the Cubs, but nothing would have happened. They still would have probably won 38 games this year, finished in first place and gone to the World Series, you know? Um, but but they did the thing. <laughs> you know, they, they went out there and they, 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 they got Mookie bets and – I mean, who knows if that is what ultimately pushed them over the the, the edge there, but right, um, he definitely helped. And something actually bring up a valid point because trading for him was before the whole situation, you know. So like, there wouldn't have been much of a building excuse for trading him as far as like we don't want to pay the money, or whatever. But yeah, give them credit. It was I wanted to check the date. It was July twenty second that the Dodgers handed him. $365 million. Sorry, you're right in the midst of the pandemic. And then going on, you know, the future uncertainty. The Dodgers were like, here's $365 million, Mookie Betts. <laughs> so you're correct there. Yeah. Uh, this is during everyone saying they're broke, where the Dodgers said, eh, what's $400 million? <laughs> Here you go, Mookie. So yeah, I, got, I mean, again, you know, they, they have the money to do in, but they're showing it, right? Yeah, as I said, so I, I mean, and when you put a team together like that, I mean, I'm not going to lie, they're they're a fun team to watch. Like, I, I love watching Mookie Betts, Corey Seager. It was good yeah. to see him because, like, it's it's funny, like, Corey Seager, and I, I don't know if I, I probably mentioned this on a previous podcast, but, like, I feel like we kind of sometimes forgot about Corey Seager. For sure. Because you know, he came out, he, like, burst onto the scene. He was just awesome right off the bat. And then he got hurt and he mm-hmm. just, you know, had like a couple seasons where he just wasn't healthy, right? I mean, like 2018, he only played 26 games. 2019, he missed about 30 games. He was still really good, but he missed some time. And then, you know, this year he was finally back healthy, shortened season, but he he had a great regular season and then really shined in the postseason. So it was cool to see him, you know, kind of, you know, get – get the recognition that he deserves. I think he's one of the game's best shortstops. Um, and and it's nice to kind of see him back to where he was. Because, look, he, he's a great player. Um, but, like, let's just look at this lineup. Like, I, I mean, they're, they're fun. Like, Justin Turner's fun to watch. He's got that big red beard. He's He just mashes baseballs after being yeah. DFA'd by the Mets. Like, it's just a fun story. Like, um I'm not the biggest Max Muncy fan, but like Will Smith, obviously I love Will oh, Smith. Oh, here we go. Guy. Here we and go. Then like, and, then, and then Bellinger. So it's like, I, I just like watching these guys. They're good at what they do. And, uh, and then like Kershaw, like you can't not like Clayton Kershaw. Like, like you mentioned before, he's probably, if, if not the best, he's, he's a top two pitcher, you know, of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, easily going to be a hall of famer first ballot hall of famer probably the probably the best left-handed pitcher we've seen since you know like randy johnson um he's 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 awesome um so and actually funny yeah, thing about I mean, kershaw too to a degree i mean you know like you talk about steger he came out on the scene and just like you felt like this guy's gonna be mvp you know year in year out and and he had some injuries and got drilled like think about kershaw like we've been kind of running off kershaw feels like for some years now like this this is going to be the year he really regresses and he's just still found a way to be very very productive and still doing it like i know he's not maybe 2010 clayton kershaw but man like he's still so good yeah no he's 
He's really good. He hasn't won a Cy Young since 2014. Um, but, I mean, so that is, I guess, six years with no Cy Young. But, I mean, it's not like he's been bad. I mean, he's, his earned run average those six years, 213-169-231-273-303-216. Right. Well, I'm looking <laughs> like, at his numbers now, too. Like, his worst <laughs> ERA – was last year at a 303. Like, and that's the thing. Like, we've been, mm-hmm. it's almost seemed like, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw's losing the velocity. You know, the health isn't there. Like, he's going to really start going downhill. And like, his worst season is a three ERA. Yeah. Like, that's how good this guy mm-hmm. is. I think, you know, you just get like so, it's like the Mike Trout. Like, if Mike Trout had, you know, only batted 270, you know, like only had a five war season, you'd be like, oh man, what's wrong with Mike Trout? <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. like, man, like I, just, I do kind of feel like I hope you're appreciating Clayton Kershaw. I'm happy for him too. Like he finally won this because, man, what a career he's had. Yeah, I mean that's another guy where you have that whole. It's the whole small sample size of postseason baseball. It's just mm-hmm. he's the most dominant reliever of the generation, and somehow he isn't dominant in the postseason. Because let's not let's not like over-exaggerate this. It's not like he's been terrible in the postseason. Like, you look at his postseason numbers heading into this year, it's not like they're awful. They're just not Clayton Kershaw. Like, that, they're not what you would expect from Clayton Kershaw. I mean, to put it out there, um, 189 <clears throat> innings, 419 ERA. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. You Mind know? you, you're it's, playing the, yeah. <laughs> the top of the top. Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't get the opportunity to play the – well, let's put off the Pittsburgh Pirates of 2020, you know, in the playoffs. Right. You know, he's yeah. playing the the cream of the crop right now. So, yeah, so it, it's not like he's been terrible in the mm-hmm. playoffs. He just hasn't been what you would expect him to be. Right. Um, and in this postseason, it was nice to see him get hit two wins in the World Series, um, which I know we're talking, we're using wins as a statistic now. Um, but I think that, that was the first time ever that he's won two two games in a postseason series so that's it, it came in a big moment he had a very good postseason this year yeah he, he he was good and even when he wasn't on like game five he clearly didn't have his best stuff but mm-hmm. he was still able to get the results done yep 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 no they are they're a fun team they're good and they're still going to be around for a while Sadly, yeah. There's no, there's no end in sight for no. this team. Like, there's, you saw even the the young guys on display, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, and I feel like Gonsolin, they they didn't even really give him the, the opportunity to to do too much there. Every time he even got in a little bit of trouble starting off, they just yanked him. Um, so, uh, but yeah, he's somebody who's not going away. Dustin May is legit. He's going to be around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that offense is just so deep. Yeah, and and they're so deep and so young for the for the most part. And, and speaking of what we've mentioned on previous podcasts, we've had this whole podcast talking about the 2020 World Series Dodger champions. Talked about how deep the lineup is. Talked about Jock Peterson is a you know like a platoon player these days. They also have Gavin Lux just chilling, just chilling, not even on the roster. You know, just Gavin Lux just chilling there still. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be good for a long time, Jim. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, they, uh, there's. 
You're right. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be very good for quite some time. So now they won the chip. Now we can officially hate them if you haven't yep. already. Sounds yeah. good. Now now they're going to become the Yankees. They're going to become like those those '90s Yankees teams that they're going to reel off like four wins in six years. They're going to get annoying. Oh, God, don't say that. All right. Well, I guess as Pirate fans, we can look forward to 2026. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we got to do. All right. Sounds good. Um, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, um, not too much else on my plate. I think I want to get off my chest. I don't know about you. But anything else you want to talk about? Um, I'll just say, I mean, quick touch on, like I said, the, we mentioned it before, off-season starts on uh, on Sunday, really. So I think it was uh, yeah, Ethan. Ethan sent out a tweet last night that um, Ethan Houlihan, follow him for all of your roster news. Pirates have to remove 11 players from the IL by Sunday. So they've got they've got some moves to make. And also, that's going to be the deadline for the Archer option. So, those 11 players on the IL need to be moved to the 40-man roster. So, there's going to be some shaking up this week because they need to basically make room for 11 people on their roster before Sunday. Yeah, and kind of like to what Tyler said in a sense, like there's going to be a lot of happenings, you know, like you mentioned up to Sunday. Mm -hmm. But... Looking at this roster, I don't think there's going to be too much too impactful. I don't think we're going to be in the sense of yeah. losing too many players. <laughs> um, yeah, they'll they'll be able to find eleven guys probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be discussing that uh, up here coming. But again, we're 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 probably safe on having a very bad roster still, um, <laughs> and having more yeah. people that we probably could essentially cut. But yeah, all right. Um, yeah, the offseason coming up. Obviously, once again, a week from tomorrow, uh, we'll be doing NS9 Jeopardy again. So let me know if you want to be on. I'll put out a tweet finally since we're a week away. And uh, that's really all I have. So we'll be back tomorrow night, of course, for NS9 Live, 9 p.m. Cool, cool. Cool. All right. So we out of here then? We are out. Let's do it. All right. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Yeah.